We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my Australian mate, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? I'm sure Nets fans are upset that Kyra Silvert and Jared Allen aren't playing now, Nick, but we've got a Brooklyn Buzz coming for them, so that'll make them happy. Yes, sir. I mean, it was definitely disappointing waiting both days to see, you know, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and the draft picks aren't even playing either. So it's definitely been kind of a disappointing summer league. It's kind of like almost G League scouting out there. But before we get started, just a quick reminder, you can check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com. But Jack, we got some good news today. Dwight's buyout was finalized, and he's giving the Nets back $5 million, which should open up around 10 to $11 million cap space, depending on some of the other deals. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I like it, Nick. You know, there was obviously um, the, the best case scenario was the sort of Dwayne Wade scenario where he gave back about $8 million. Uh, Both of them are on similar contracts, around $23, $24 million range. So they're giving back about a little over 30%. Um, I didn't expect that to happen. You know, Dwight Howard had a little bit more leverage in this situation. And to get $5 million, you know, isn't the, the best case scenario, but it's, it's certainly good and it gives us some flexibility. Um, he certainly makes all of that back going forward with the Washington Wizards and the, the MLA, the two-year deal that he gets with them. So he gets his money, works out well for him, and you know the, the Nets get uh, some sort of flexibility going forward. You know, we're not necessarily you know, the Sacramento Kings or the Hawks. Uh, um, obviously, the Bulls lost their sort of flexibility in the Zach Levine situation. But yeah, we've got a little bit of uh, wiggle room to go. Yeah, it's not bad, especially with all the teams out there not having cap space. Like you mentioned, only a few teams. And Sean Marks kind of hinted at this yesterday that, you know, the Dwight probably wouldn't give back eight mil. It would probably be something in that three to five range. And we ended up with five, which is not bad and possibly end up good for the Nets, you know, a possible free agent signing or a new trade heading uh, forward. But we'll talk about that a little bit little bit later. But we're going to talk about some of the comments Sean Marks had yesterday at Summer League and kind of break those down. Uh, first up. Obviously, creating cap space is definitely a priority for us. And this is kind of referring to next season and this season. What are your thoughts on this when Sean Marks is thinking? 
Yeah, I mean, it seems to be just like, you know, uh, Captain Obvious alert. With the, <laughs> Sean Marks doesn't give much away, uh, that's for sure, when it comes to the reporters. And, you know, it's part of the reason why we love him. It's part of the reason why he frustrates the hell out of us because he's just he's just so good at his job, you know. Uh, you know, you don't see many leaks like we said in, in previous pods. But, yeah, it's obviously going to be about that flexibility going forward. You know, we're not giving away any silly deals. Some people sort of question the Joe Harris deal, but, again, at the same time, you know, um, uh, another quote that I think he made was that, like, he asked people around the organization about, you know, um, what what the sort of priority was with Joe Harris. And they were all like, you know, bang, bang down the doors. Let's keep this guy no matter what. And, you know, two years gives us flexibility uh, as well. You know, it doesn't break the bank in any stretch of the word. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, those two max spots that we're looking to have in the 2019-2020 uh, season going into that season is going to be priority, especially with a, a, a nice free agent class coming off the books. But, you know, we've got to play some good basketball as well going forward. But yeah, salary caps premium. Yeah, I think creating space this year with the Dwight Bow and then obviously trading Mozgov, part of that trade, open up cap for next year. And who would, I wouldn't be surprised they made another move that opened up more cap space for next year. But we'll obviously talk about that later in the season. Uh, on to the next one. We'll figure out how much cap space we have. When that's fully determined, then we'll move from there and how we use it. Now, this was obviously before the Dwight Howard situation was handled, but uh, it looks like the Nets are going to be looking at all their options, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many, uh, there's so many still like unrestricted and restricted free agents. You know, Marcus Smart's still on the board. Who knows what he's going to be signing for with the whole uh, friction uh, fractured uh, situation happening there in Boston. You know, there'll be teams sort of climbing for his services. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. Um, you know, having that ten to eleven million dollar range, you know, you can get a decent player for that, uh, or 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 a couple of players. You know, you look at guys signing for the MLA, which is about you know five million dollars for the tax payment level. So you know, we can get one or two decent players on one year deals, or maybe a, a, an even better player on a one year deal as well. Uh, I think you know that we're going to be weighing up those options. Uh, short marks will definitely be weighing up those options, and you know, there was I think like we mentioned before uh, on the outlet and such. You know, this free agency period is a slow burner. Um, so, you know, I don't expect, you know, many moves to happen, you know, overnight. Uh, but, you know, in the coming days and weeks, you know, the Nets aren't finished yet. Yeah, and I believe the Allen Crabb trade was made later in July last year. So you could expect something like that. Also a trade, you know, maybe taking on an expiring deal for a draft pick or a nice young player is a possibility too. Now, in uh, reference to the Ed Davis signing, this is what Marks had to say. He's certainly a culture fit the way he works. Some of the intangibles he brings off the court and people don't necessarily that aren't spoken about what he does in the locker room and so forth. When you're trying to create a culture, that's really important. You're trying to create a toughness, a grit, and Ed brings all that. Man, was Nick, was um, Nick, was um, Sean listening to our podcast? Was he listening <laughs> to some of our questions from our listeners? Because it feels like he was. No, um, I think, you know, all the things that we've said about Ed Davis uh, when we did sign him. Uh, you know, they're sort of coming to fruition in, in Sean Marks' comments. You know, outside of just the sort of, you know, the culture fit and, and as well as the, you know, the toughness that he sort of brings that I'm sure plenty of fans will be happy about, you know, he's an elite rebounder. And I've mentioned that, you know, um, for, for days on end. And, and I think that for me is the number one thing. I love, you know, culture fit, all these sort of things. But at the same time, you've got to be a baller. And Ed Davis in his role is one of the best rebounders um, coming off the bench. Or, you know, there's times where he might start, you know, give Jared Allen a bit of a rest put Ed Davis at the five, you know, I, I reckon Ed Davis sees some increased minutes and, you know, we've seen, you know, in the, in videos, you know, from Nets Daily and such, you know, his ability on the court. Uh, I think, you know, for me, you know, if I'm valuing something, for me, it's the rebounding more than the toughness. Do you have a, a sort of preference in that sense? 
Ah, it's tough. It's a tough decision. I mean, I almost think they're correlated in a sense. When you're a good yeah. rebounding team, it usually means you're pretty tough because, like I mentioned before, boxing out is not fun, especially against bigger NBA players. Not like Ed Davis is the biggest guy out there, but he does have some nice size to him as well. Uh, I love both aspects, you know, trying taking the easy way out of the question. But I love the toughness and I love the rebounding. Marks also said, and then, of course, on top of his, of his play, we need an enforcer type. We need toughness, and Ed brings a lot of that to our group. He's been around winning organizations, for, so for him to come in and bring some of that expertise and experience will be great for our group and our younger guys. So not only is it the toughness, it's also some of the experience he's had playing with Portland, who was a three seed last year, has some experience in the playoffs too. It definitely can help these young guys. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we look at the sort of team that we have right now in terms of the physicality that we can bring, you know. It's certainly, you know, if we're ranking teams on physicality, the, the Nets by no means are in that top half. But Ed Davis certainly brings us an element of that. And, you know, combined with maybe Quincy Acey and his spurts, you know, it gives us an element, you know, that the, a lot of people, um, you know, would value. Um, and, and I think, you know, he provides that on and off the court and, and in his demeanor and in the way he plays. Yeah, and it, maybe Joe Harris I would throw in there, show him some love because yeah. he's pretty tough for a wing. But yeah. like you said, the Nets definitely weren't one of the toughest teams. I mean, over the last few years, we would refer to them as a soft team. But I think when you add a player like that, it kind of helps the other guys because now you're practicing a little bit tougher because Ed Davis isn't going to take any days off. But talking about Joe Harris a little bit, you know, this was in reference to his signing, and you mentioned some people questioned why it was a two-year deal. There's a fine line in terms of how valuable your space is as opposed to weighing the space and the fits you want to build with. Joe is one of those guys that brings a lot of the intangibles to our team on and off the court. We've all been very impressed with Joe as a person and how he's developed and how he continues to grow. He'll be a part of our team. There was no apprehension on a multi-year deal with Joe. Also, he had to say, he had a lot to say about Joe. Joe is a guy, unanimously guys want to play with, not just in Brooklyn. I think that was probably seen around the league. He brings obviously his skill on the court, but guys want to be around that and they want to be around the person that Joe is, which is important to us. Oh, it's absolutely, and and it makes so much sense. You know, all the things that we think about Joe Harris, Sean Marks is, you know, speaking them, and we, we're actually seeing them. You know, the fact that, you know, for me, obviously being one of my favorite players, uh, I'm sure that anyone who's even listened to 40 seconds of this podcast <laughs> would know that. Um, it, it just shows that, you know, the Neds value what they have going forward. You know, the comments that Sean Marks has made earlier at the draft in terms of, sort of building that culture and the pieces that we have and sort of, you know, rewarding them going forward as well you know not just you know throwing them away you know with a a first round pick or something like that you know the value of actually keeping continuity uh, and i think joe harris uh, is emblematic of that and you know emblematic of the fact that you know if you work your butt off you're going to get rewarded by guys like sean marks in our organization we don't just you know see that and go okay well look the way that he's produced this is an asset we can trade him for to somewhere and get you know a decent you know asset out of this but and also as well i think the contract as well benefits both parties um i know dunk don uh, didn't think that the, the contract was a little bit lofty but you know if you're looking at what's being given out now and the length of the deal uh, it provides flexibility for for all parties and i think the nets expect joe harris to get a little bit better we saw a lot of improvements last year there's no reason not to expect him to work a little bit harder become one of those elite three-point shooters and like sean also mentioned he brings some of the intangibles off the court it's just one of those players you want around when you're building a culture and hey you maybe throw him an extra million dollars but who really cares if it's helping you long term yeah we've got that sort of um that space as well so like you know if you're going to give that space to anyone you might as well give it to the guys who have you know been giving it everything to your organization so yeah i'm all for it 
Yeah, no complaints from me on it either. And obviously, Sean, and I think one of the things that was, um, I wouldn't even say surprising, but it was nice to hear was that everybody on the team wanted him back. He was a guy that probably is loved by a lot of his teammates and coaches and just people in the organization. And having a guy like that is never a problem. No, not at all. And the people in Australia love him as well. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure if that was a quote from Jack Manuel or Sean Marks when I read it. Yeah. Sean Marks has just been, he's been seeping into my thoughts. He's been doing some inception on me. Yeah, I guess so. He might be listening to the show, like you said. But another uh, comment from Sean Marks, and this was on the point guards. As we've seen before, it's been handy to have a couple extra point guards. There's absolutely no need for us to go through and rush and do any particular deals to solve the so-called glut at point guard or get a shooting forward. This is just how do we build this thing and hopefully not affect long-term and the long-term growth. So again, you know, he's in no rush to make the moves. They do have a lot of point guards, but we've seen in the past teams play three point guards, play two point guards. You know, there's plenty of room for guards in this league. Yeah, and there's a, obviously some of our guards, you know, can play off ball and some of our guards can play a little bit bigger. Guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Um, I think as well, you know, this, these comments are probably directed at Jeremy Lin the most because, you know, he's been getting a lot of sort of uh, Twitter hype in terms of, you know, trading. We mentioned him on previous podcasts as well. But at the same time, Jeremy Lin was a starter for us last year. And, you know, before that that injury with, against the Pacers, him and D'Lo were doing some really nice things. You know, Jeremy Lin's ability to cut, uh, I don't mind that sort of combination. Obviously, he's still in 100% fit. And I think he's still sort of, you know, getting into contact drills and such, you know, playing five on five and such. But, you know, if he's 100% fit, you know, he's also, we've talked about marketability for the Nets as well. You know, the Nets want to get bums on seats. We were one of the lowest, if not the lowest, you know, attendance teams uh, in, in the league. You know, Jeremy Lin provides that, provides, you know, you know, a huge sort of community to sort of flock and see him. He has such a huge social media following, such a huge international following. And I think, you know, I'm not sure if there's uh, uh, some Joseph Sai influence in that as well, obviously. Um, having that sort of, you know, uh, Asian influence in terms of you know the marketability in such a, a huge market for, for basketball going forward. But I think holding on to Jeremy Lin now can't hurt because there is always the trade deadline. And, you know, Damari Carroll, Jeremy Lin, I think around then, if they continue to sort of be decent assets and Jeremy Lin can stay healthy, then there's no reason why they can't be traded then. They're also, you know, the contracts as well aren't too uh, bad in the current climate. So I think, you know, in terms of the point guard situation, it is worrisome especially because we do need that shooting. But at the same time, you know, we're not going to, we need to get wins on the board. And I think continuity in culture, uh, as we mentioned before, is, is sort of a, a key stepping stone for our nets. Yeah. And at this time, it almost wouldn't make a ton of sense to trade Lynn. You know, obviously the value isn't super high. There's still other guards out there that you could get on the cheap. It'd make more sense to either trade them later in the offseason where all the free agents are kind of signed up. Or like you mentioned, closer to the trade deadline where they get to see him play, get to see that he's healthy and ready to go out there. That would make a lot more sense than just trying to move him now and kind of rush it and just add, add something to the team when it's not necessary. Like we mentioned before, it's not like there's any pressure to have a big season. Obviously, the Nets want to be competitive, but moving Lynn right away, I don't think is going to help them instantly. No, and he's one of our best players when at when healthy. I would say Jeremy Lin is probably top two in our best players. You know, obviously we talk about you know Karis Levert, Jared Allen, all the improvement from them, but Jeremy Lin has proven it over a sustained period of time. And you know he is you know a very very good basketball player when healthy. And also a little tidbit, you know, going around on Twitter right now is that you know D'Lo and Jeremy Lin are hanging out, sitting next to each other in the front row of our uh, summer league games. So you know it's it's good to see that you know. 
we we love to sort of see that camaraderie, you know, on and off the court. And, you know, I think even yesterday there was Isaiah Whitehead, uh, Spencer Dibwini, uh, and uh, D'Angelo hanging out as well. So good to see, you know, all the boys, you know, uh, getting that Brooklyn grind together. Yeah, and like you said, you know, Lynn, when healthy, is a very good player. The problem is he just doesn't stay healthy very much. But if he's in a smaller role, that could possibly help him too. And like you also said, you know, seeing the guys at Summer League hang out, hang out this summer definitely is a positive thing for the Nets. Now, uh, moving on to another Sean Marks comment. You look at the team now, that's what we've got, and that's what we're planning on. We're planning on going to the season with that team. So, obviously, they still have some roster spots to fill out, so there could be additions, but it seems like the core guys that are there now are going to be what they move forward with for the next season as of now. Yeah, and I think some people might be frustrated with that, but at the same time, you know, we're not the guys running the organization. We are the, follow- <clears throat> we are the followers, and we want what's best for our team. We want to sort of see that uh, incremental uh, increase, you know, getting better, you know, pushing for a playoff spot because, you know, it's wide open. I think even D'Lo was asked yesterday about, you know, the fact, can the Nets uh, uh, push for a playoff spot? And he's like, anything's possible. So, you know, obviously we want to see that. And, you know, there's a lot of people like, you know, banging the doors down. Where's that stretch for? Where's that stretch for? I think a lot of teams are looking for that stretch for. And uh, I think we mentioned his name in passing, Nemanja Bielitsa. You know, he was uh, gobbled up by the Philadelphia 76ers, who the rich get richer, as as it seems. But, you know, there's still going to be guys around that market. You know, we could be... Um, we're still going to be players, you know, in, in free agency going forward. Uh, I don't think any trades will necessarily be uh, huge on the market, but we might have a, a little bit of chat about that, uh, whether it's that taking on a little bit of salary and such. But, yeah, I think the, the Nets right now value what they have. And I think... When you're building something out of nothing, you know, you're better off sort of going with the guys because right now, you know, all the guys that we've had for the past, you know, year and a half in, in, in Sean Marks' tenure, none of them have been like, you know, any sort of negative influence. You know, D'Lo um, has had, you know, his ups and downs on the court, but off the court, he's been a consummate professional uh, and, and Damari Carroll has been great in his mentorship. So all the guys that we have right now, you can argue, yes, they might not fit. Quincy Acey might not fit. Um, and I, I would obviously vouch for, for a move from him. Um, but at the same time, continuity, you know, in sport, I think especially, uh, is one thing that I think lots of people uh, underrate. Yeah, especially in a game with basketball when there's a lot of chemistry, passing, cutting, going to a certain spot, defensive communications. I think it does have a positive impact. And also on that front, you know, it's funny, Sean Mark said that, but he also said, I wouldn't rule out anything. The longer the process is drawing out and going to July, there'll probably be deals, better better deals out there. So it looks like, you know, the Nets are set with what they have, but if something comes up, they'll definitely make a move. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure Mark is obviously never going to, um, you know, knock down any sort of deal or move that's going to come up. You know, a lot of the times, you know, the nets, uh, the moves that we make, you know, are, are, are out of nowhere. You know, the Ed Davis move, we didn't see coming. Um, it was one of the ones that was probably lower on the radar. So, you know, sure, Max could be cooking up something. You know, I'm sure that, you know, he's working the phones, having a, having a chat to a few of the GMs at Summer League right now, um, having a decent time, make sure he's hitting up those crab tables, seeing who, <laughs> what GMs are there. Um but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think the Nets are done. I think there's one or two more pieces or moves that might be made. Yeah, and like you said, when things kind of dry out, especially in a market like this, you know, you're getting to the last week of July or something, somebody might take a one-year deal or a lesser amount of money just because they want to get signed and want to just get ready for the next season moving forward. Now, when asked about the two max free agents for next offseason, Sean Marks had to say, I don't know about that. It depends on those individuals. We'll worry about that when we get there. Obviously, it gives us an opportunity in which we can try to build a, build a team another way. Whether it's through free agency and so forth, it just gives us flexibility moving forward. Yeah, I think opportunity and flexibility are the key sort of uh, marks that um, Sean uh, talked about Mark's there. <laughs> yeah, that, 
no pun intended. Literally no pun intended. I didn't even think of it. But at the same time, I, I remember Sean Marks in his introductory press are sort of saying, you know, you know, he's going to be open to all possibilities. And I think that sort of openness uh, as a GM is one of his sort of key skills. You know, a lot of teams are looking to sort of get those sort of star guys uh, in the market that they are. Um, you, know, you know, we see the Knicks uh, over the past couple of years, they're starting to get things together. You know, Phil Jackson sort of just going after the stars, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers you know, and such. You know, because you're a you know market team, a franchise team, you know you just go okay. Well, we're going to get these free agents. You know, we, we're in this sort of city. Whereas you know, Sean Marks is, is is looking at both routes. You know, we can build internally, we can build externally, we can look at what free agents are available. Because you know, just because we're going to have cap space next year doesn't mean other teams are. And with that, we need to build something you know internally that other players are going to want to come to. You know, whether that's teammates. Whether that's guys chatting to each other, you know, in WhatsApp groups and, you know, just chatting to each other off wax and, and after games or pre-game, you know, at the same time, we need to build both ways. And, and I think, you know, having that flexibility, a lot of teams are sort of seeing what the Nets are doing and sort of modeling that. I think what the Knicks are doing are sort of doing, are doing it in a similar sense. Obviously, they have a, a better cornerstone piece in, in Chris Porzingis, but the culture that the Nets are building right now, I think, is the envy of a lot of other teams in the league. Yeah, I think that, like you said, you hit it right on the head with flexibility. You know, one of these guys, you know, they're obviously going to do their due diligence. They're going to call these guys, some of the big stars, the next free agency class. And they say, all right, we want to come to Brooklyn. We really like what you're doing. We're going to buy in. Marks is not going to be afraid to pull the trigger and bring one of these guys in. But say they're not able to land one of the big stars. They're not going to go out and, you know, pay one of these mid-tire free agents extra money. They're going to be smart with their cap flexibility. And that means maybe taking on another bad contract, trying to get some draft picks. I could see that as a possibility too. So there's a lot of different options. And, you know, knowing Sean Marks and what we've seen from before, he's going to turn over every stone. Yeah, he won't, he won't leave any stone unturned. You know, he's going to make the moves that are right for the organization, uh, no matter what that is. Like you said, you know, the flexibility and the options available, uh, it's a good thing to have, you know. You know, we've been so tied down to what we can do going forward over the past half decade. But to now see that the Nets have some flexibility in how they build this roster and how they build this franchise uh, is a welcome sight. Yeah, and I feel like they're what they're going to do is like, you know, Marx has mentioned, they're looking to do long-term thinking. You know, they want to build a great team. They want it to be a great team for a long time, not a team that's going to make the playoffs for three years and then be stuck with a terrible salary cap and not go anywhere. They don't want to be mediocre. They want to be great, which I think is something that's very important when you're building a team. It's easy to get kind of get you like, all right, let's go sign Jabari Parker. Let's go sign some of these guys this offseason where you might pay them extra money and they turn out to be either bad players or they never get healthy. And then you're kind of just in a terrible situation. So Sean Marks has been doing a great job. Now, upon Sean Marks' comment, D'Lo was interviewed at Summer League yesterday as well. You know, he was, and you kind of hinted at this before, he asked if the Nets have a shot at the playoffs with LeBron leaving the East and whatnot. And he said, yeah, I think anything is possible. And he seemed pretty, I don't want to say confident, but it seemed like it was something that he thought was possible, that he really believed. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've seen some of our OTG brethren give us a, a bit of kudos in that sense. I think Ever Dial even said, you know, the Nets are a chance to sort of take the spot of the Cavs if they do most likely happen to drop out of players with the uh, departure of LeBron James. So, you know, to, to obviously sort of have that confidence, you know, we sort of had that to an extent last year. I, I think the key thing for us is going to be health. You know, we talked about, you know, the depth of our roster now and the depth of talent that we have. You know, it's not necessarily elite, but there are guys that have the possibility to take jumps. You know, we have a solid 10-man rotation right now. If we can keep, you know, eight to 10 of those guys healthy for extended periods of time, you know, and obviously those close wins that we were talking about last year at length, they turn those close losses, sorry, turn into wins. You know, that we could have had 32 to 35 wins last year. So it's obviously about, you know, 
luck is going to play a huge part of it. Health is going to play a huge part of it. And obviously, their continual player development. You know, I think those are the three sort of things that us Nets fans will be looking at. Are all those things being ticked? Are one or two or three? You know, it's going to be uh, interesting to see um, what we sort of do going forward because, you know, the East is obviously uh, less stacked than the West, to say the least. And I think that gives the Nets a real opportunity. Yeah, they have to start off hot early, take advantage of opportunities. Like you said, the East isn't super stacked, and you know they can get some wins where they might not be the more talented team, but they're just going to play harder and compete every night. And like you said, have, they have some pretty good depth on this team if they stay healthy. All the point guards definitely could be a benefit to the squad as well. And like you also hinted at, player development. I think that's going to be huge. You know, does D'Angelo become an all-star this season? That would be a big thing for the Nets. That would be a big plus mark. To, you know, does Karis LeVert take another jump? Does Rondé get even better? Can he add a three-point shot? Jared Allen, is he hitting the Jim Hart, is he going to be bigger? Is he going to be able to handle it inside? You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, is he going to be more consistent throughout the whole season instead of just having hot games and hot weeks? So I think improvements is going to be a big thing. But based off of what we've seen for the coaching staff in the past, I would not be surprised if we saw a couple of these guys take another big jump this season. No, and even in, in the sense that, like, uh, you mentioned guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and such, if he can maintain a level of consistency, and I think – um, a, a role, the role that they're being asked of, you know, right now, for, if this is the team we have going forward, you know, adding a piece or two or salary dump or whatever, and the guys have that consistency and that continuity that we talked about in terms of the franchise, for the players, I think that's going to be a huge part as well. You know what your role, you know what's asked of you from Coach Kenny and the front office, you know, you know what you need to produce on and off the court. Obviously, injuries are going to happen, you know, it's part and parcel. It's an 82-game season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But at the same time, if you know what you need to do and you're doing all those things and, you know, occasionally, you know, exceeding expectations, as a lot of our players are, I have over this past year, then that's going to be the key part. You know, I think, you know, Spencer Dimley had issues, as we mentioned, you know, at length on previous Brooklyn Buzzers. You know, I checked them out on YouTube and, and uh, Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Um, I think it's because he didn't have that lack of consistency. And I think a lot of our guys and players in general, you know, the human beings in general crave that consistency. You know, we love those routines. We know we want to know what's, you know, wanted of us. You know, having that sort of, you know, up and down going, okay, well, this time I need you to be a star. I want you to be the floor general. I want you to score. I want you to do all these things. Whereas, you know, Spencer Dimley is like, okay, you're going to be the anchor of this second unit. You know, if you need to score, if you need to, you know, just a couple of pull-up threes, you know, scout the floor, do your thing when it comes to your assists, then so be it. But I think consistency is a, is going to be a key mark for us going forward. What do you think, yeah, consistency is always one of the most important things. I think for a young team like we were last year, getting another year of experience and people in bigger roles than what they may be expected, not only with Spencer in a bigger role, but uh, we kind of mentioned this a little bit as well, just the overall you know, durability of the season, just all the effort he had to put in. He just probably wasn't a, probably conditioned enough to handle that. It's not like you can train all you want in the offseason, but there's nothing like an NBA season. And, you know, playing starter minutes and having all the pressure on him at certain points in the season, you know, they were looking for him to create most of the game. And that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of work he had to put in. So this year he'll be more prepared. He already looks like he's hitting the gym. He looks pretty good too. And another guy I didn't mention before, I think Alan Crabb. That's a guy, you know, he's going to get a full off season with the Nets, see if they can add a little bit of something to his game. He showed improvements throughout the season, especially defensively. But if he can get comfortable, that'd be a big add because we know he can knock down the three ball and he's a great fit in the system. Yeah, funnily enough, I literally have been scrolling on Twitter just seeing if there's any news pop up about our Nets. And I literally scrolled past a post about, um, you know, Alan Crabb supporting our boys at Summer League. So it's it's great to see, you know, so many of our of our squad, you know, supporting, you know, just the squad in general. You know, obviously, you know, um, your guys like Milton Doyle and James Webb are going to be uh, key pieces for us in the 2018-19 season. But 
just to see that support from um, the team as a whole shows the the team culture that we've been speaking about um, and that's that's revered you know so highly. Yeah, exactly. It's nice. It's just nice to see team support, especially for a team that people think that doesn't have a lot of support. Like Jalen Rose has said, these guys aren't texting in the offseason or whatever. And obviously that's not true. But some more uh, comments from D'Angelo. This is on his knee. I feel great. We were out early, so I've been grinding, getting to work. I have no excuses. And, you know, we've seen some of his workout videos. It seems like he's definitely putting in some work, focusing a little bit on that leg mobility, kind of keeping those legs fresh. Looks good for D'Lo. What are your thoughts on this comment? Yeah, I mean, the the health thing, for like I mentioned, Nick, it's so positive. You know, to, if we can have a healthy D'Lo for 70, 70 to 85, 70 to 80 games, I think that's going to be, you know, a, a key mark for our success. We saw him putting up some, you know, uh, historical numbers in, in a sense. You know, he was in the likes of, you know, in, uh, the realms of like guys like DeMarcus Cousins in terms of, you know, his ability to score uh, in limited amounts of time. Um, I think his role is going to increase. And if he's if he's healthy, as he says he is, you know, we could see some extended minutes from D'Angelo Russell. And I, and I know he's putting in that work over the offseason. You know, he's, he's set some goals for himself. And those goals for uh, that I saw him sort of say, you know, were just music to my ears. Yeah, exactly. I think, believe the goals were like 50% from the field, 40% from three, you know, some real efficient numbers. And I think, obviously, you know, when you're self-aware of what you need to work on, that's a big help. When you know where you need to improve, you can actually improve. When you don't know or you're not aware, you're like, oh, or you're trying to play the blame game where it's like, oh, my teammates didn't help me, bad passes or something like that. But D'Lo is aware where he needs to improve, and I think that's a big factor. Yeah. And uh, also, this was D'Lo's comments on Kenny. Um, he's a player's coach. He's a positive, positive guy. We're growing at the same time together. I mean, it feels like so many of the guys are just, uh, they're subscribed to us on iTunes or something. <laughs> they're just listening to our comments. We've talked about coach Kenny and the fact that, you know, some people were criticizing him and, and some of that is warranted, but at the same time, like Delo said, you know, he is growing with the organization. This is a completely new sort of experience for Coach Kenny, you know, being, going into his second, third season as a head coach. You know, it's, it's, it's completely new to him. And, you know, being able to sort of, you know, do that with guys that are in similar sort of situations, guys that are wanting to prove something, Joe Harris, D'Angelo Russell. We've got a lot of guys that have sort of chips on their shoulder. Um, and I think... You know, the, the youth about us as well. Coach Kenny has that aspect about him. You know, we talked about player development being his number one skill. And it's going to have to be going into our next season as well because we have to continue to grow if we want to get to those playoffs. And I think D'Angelo Russell recognizes that. And I think they buy into to Coach Kenny's system. And, and, you know, they're buying what he's selling. Yeah, and D'Lo said, quote, I still got stuff to prove as well. So D'Angelo knows not only does he need to be more efficient, but he has stuff to prove. It feels like he's looking to be an all-star. He saw his boy Devin Booker probably going to get paid over the next week or next week or two. What do you think about D'Angelo being an all-star next season? I think there's a certain possibility to it, Nick. You know, in terms of the talent that that's out ace, you know, you look at guys who are probably in that point guard position, Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, you know, some of those aren't locks. Kyrie Irving is, is uh, by far and away a lock, no matter where he is due, due to his fan popularity. But Kyle Lowry is aging. Kemba Walker uh, is an awesome player and very underrated. But at the same time, you know, he doesn't have that sort of fan level of favoritism that a guy like even D'Lo has. You know, he has that sort of Instagram following. He's got that sort of hype about him, you know, on and off the court. So I think there's a real possibility to him um, if he has a consistent season and up into that sort of trade deadline, that February point, he stays healthy. Um, I would have been surprised that, like, if he wasn't around that mark, if he didn't get injured last season because he was putting up some nice numbers, he was getting some really nice hype 
uh, but obviously the injury didn't help um, him, him any sense. You know, it sort of robbed him of that sort of consistency and, and uh, going forward and that sort of continuity. Um, but I think there's he's every chance to do it. Um, I don't know. What would you put a percentage on it? If, you know, if we were to, you know, we're in Vegas with the boys right now, what would, <laughs> what, what would you put on it? Uh, it's tough. I mean, the one thing that uh, wasn't there last year, John Wall was out or he was banged yeah, up most of the season. Yeah. So he wasn't an all-star. He'd be a guy I'd probably lock in. I think him and Kyrie are probably locks to be the starters, maybe DeMar DeRozan. But I think there's a chance he could make, you know, the the reserve unit. You know, he could be one of the backups. There's a possibility. He'd have to put up some big numbers. But like you said, early in the season, he was putting up some huge numbers. If he averaged something like 20, 20 plus, you know, maybe even around 20, let's say 18 to 22, something in that range, and then seven-plus assists, and he was shooting like 44 or 45 and a 35-plus from three, I think it's a real possibility. If I had to put a percentage on it, just because the East is so hard, I'd give it a 33% chance. But ask me again in our season preview that we'll do in a couple months after I watch some of the training, some of the preseason, I'll have a better idea. But I say 33%, and that's not because I don't think D'Lo will be at that level possibly. I just think there's other guys that might be able to take a spot. Also, I didn't even mention Bradley Beal, who I yeah, think is absolutely. an amazing player. He's going to get better because he's been able to stay healthy. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the Ben Simmons didn't even make it last year. Obviously, he'd probably be in as a forward, even though he is a point guard. You know, it's going to be competition for spots, despite the fact that LeBron James has left. And, you know, there's always these young guys coming up. So, you know, the, I, I would probably put it around a similar range. I'd probably put it around one in four chance, uh, 25%, because, you know, being an all-star um, for a guy like Dealer, who is still very young, uh, it shouldn't be underrated how hard it is to get into an all-star team, you know, even if it is in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I think another thing would be the Nets would have to be playing pretty competitive. They'd have to probably be 500-plus, which I don't think is crazy to think, or they'd have to be at that 500 line where, you know, they're kind of around that 8 seed or around that 10 to 8 spot. If they do that, it helps this case a lot, but if they have a losing record and they're not really close to the playoffs, it'd be kind of far-fetched. Yeah. But, uh, Jack, you know, we kind of mentioned it before. The Nets will probably have around $10 million in cap space. Is there any free agents out there that you would really like to see them target and go after? Look, in terms of the free agents that we have going after now, you know, we we're harping on a stretch four, but the, the market is pretty bereft of guys of that sort of range. For me, I'm just about the three point shooting and flexibility. You know, a guard probably wouldn't be the best, but a wing of some sort. You know. Uh, at the same time, you know, we've got these young guys who can sort of fill that role to an extent. But I just want a guy who can sort of come in and produce, you know, add to the sort of depth on our roster. Um, in terms of like salary dumps as well, you know, there could be some guys in Portland that we could take on. Uh, Washington, you know, who knows what they're wanting to do. But for me, obviously, there's that history with Portland, obviously, with the Alan Crabb deal as well. So, you know, there's some guys out there, you know, guys like Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, um, not the sexiest of names, but guys that can produce and guys that have, you know, around that sort of 10 to $11 million range, nine to 12, if you want to sort of, you know, average up or average down, uh, have that sort of uh, salary going forward. And they're not, you know, the, the worst of salaries, you know, they're expiring or they're uh, ending next year. So there's guys out there, but at the same time, you know, uh, the market is quite weak uh, as it is for a lot of other teams. So, you know, it's Sean Marks is certainly going to have to work his magic to sort of get a guy um, that we so sorely need. Some names that have been brought up on uh, Nets Twitter a little bit. What are your thoughts on maybe making a move at a Marcus Smart or a Jabari Parker? I mean, Marcus Smart for me, I wouldn't mind over a Jabari Parker. Uh, but I think both of those guys are going to be looking for longer-term deals. Marcus Smart, maybe not, though. 
Uh, if you sort of offer him a one-year sort of $10 million deal, he might sort of take it and go, okay, well, I'll take this in spite of Boston. And, uh, and it'd be pretty funny to actually see a Boston guy come to Brooklyn uh, and, and, and sort of go, okay, I'll, I'll bet on myself this year going into next year. And we've seen guys like KCP in around that $12 million range sort of do the same thing, Avery Bradley with his two-year deal as well. You know, there could be, there's a possibility for Marcus Smart. And I much prefer that over Jabari Parker, who... Now, for me, as much as he has you know, high offensive upside, his defensive upside, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. He's still not a great three-point shooter. You know, I don't want a guy, um, Rondé 2.0, in terms of how he is offensively. Because he doesn't play as hard either, you know. He, he doesn't, and I don't think he has the same character of a Rondé Hollis Jefferson either. Um, you know, we talked about the sort of the culture we're trying to build. Jabari, you know, calling out his coach, you know, uh, I don't think he's called out any of his teammates, but, you know, we don't want to see that going forward. Um, and I think, you know, the deal that he's going to command or want to command, uh, I don't think the Nets will give him. And, you know, if unless he was to take a one-year bet on me deal, you know, if it works, you know, financially, then I'm all for it. But I don't want to be tied up going forward. Um, and obviously, if he buys into what Sean Marks and Coach Kenny are selling, like I said before, then there's a possibility. But, you know, if I'm ranking them, I'd prefer to have Marcus Smart just because, you know, that defensive toughness and, you know, that sort of, you know, you can tell teammates love him. And I think he'd fit in nicely. Um, but obviously, you know, there's uh, it's a limited market. But two of those, either of those guys uh, on nice contracts wouldn't be, wouldn't be horrible. Yeah, I think the fact that they're restricted for agents, though, I'm not, you don't quote me on this, but I believe that they can't sign one-year deals if you're going to send an offer sheet. I believe it has to be a multi-year deal. So yeah. it would ha- have to be something for a couple years. Marcus Smart wouldn't be terrible. The only problem would be just a surplus of guards. But Smart has proven that he doesn't really care what position he plays. He just goes out there and balls out. So he's not a guy I would mind. And like you said, I agree on the Jabari Parker stuff. Not only is the defense an issue, but also the locker room presence. You know, there's been some talk about not only of him, you know, not getting along with the coaches, but I even heard whispers of him not getting along with Giannis. You know, if you're not getting along with a star player, a guy who's looking to work and get better and be one of the best in the league, then you got some issues yourself to worry about. Uh, do you think there's any veterans out there that they would consider? You know, um, Aluaba, Mute, um, Jonas Jarepko would have been nice, but it looks like he's already going to sound the Warriors. Yeah, uh, which get richer as it all as it tends to be. I know, and I actually like would have would not have minded him with the Nets. He shot forty one percent from three last year, which would have been a nice solid signing. Add some toughness, some good energy as well. But what do you think about Lua Bamute? I mean, Luka Bamute in terms of being able to um, the defensive sort of upside and his his three point potential would be amazing. Um, you know, we've seen Trevor Ariza sign with sort of a, a, an out of the playoff team. Um, you know, if he's obviously, uh, I think Houston, you know, would be uh, silly um, to let him go for anything, but obviously they're tied up with what they're doing with Clint Capella as well. So hopefully the Nets might be able to swoop in a similar way to what we did with Ed Davis. So I think Lukumba Mute out of the three that we've mentioned would be awesome. But Nick, I've seen that there's been some more comments by Sean Marks made at Summer League and some of the ones that stick out to me um, in terms of how he's evaluating plays. He said, quote, and this is via uh, Brian Fonseca um, of Nets Daily. We look for basketball feel and the IQ. So some of the guys that we mentioned, you know, I don't think Jabari has that IQ going forward, but Two of the guys you did mention, I, I think certainly do. Yeah, for sure. And like, and they both bring defense and toughness, which he mentioned the previous day. I agree. I don't think Jabari Parker was ever really realistic. I know a lot of Nets fans have been kind of into him, but it, I would actually probably be upset if they signed him because he just doesn't seem like a great fit. And like you just said, Sean Marks is looking for high basketball IQ guys that are getting along with their teammates, not guys that are going to kind of cause a fuss. That's why Dwight Howard is not in the Nets uniform this year. 
No, and you know, two of the other comments that I'll make, um, we sort of talked about Alan and Levert not being out there. Uh, he said they're actually helping in practice and in games, like you mentioned, Nick. They're sitting out there with the coaches. For them to be in that environment is helping those guys. So that's a positive. Yeah, I wouldn't like I mentioned to you off air. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't play because the main reason for them going here was leadership and kind of uh, enhancing their voice. They, I think Karis LeVert said he didn't hear Jared Allen talk for like months of the season because he was just yeah. so quiet. So getting them to kind of talk, be more vocal, especially for Jared Allen being possibly a defensive anchor for the Nets moving forward. I know we kind of envision that for him. If he's able to kind of develop his voice a little bit more, it'll help the Nets defensively a lot because he's such a great rim protector already at a young age. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, do you have any thoughts on this uh, final comment? You know, there was some other ones that check out his Twitter um, and we'll, we'll probably retweet a few of them as well. But for me, this one sort of stuck out a little bit because we talked about culture and the environment so often. He said, we can't control the winning all the time, but we can control competing. What are your thoughts on that? I love it. I think that's the number one thing. And I've said this for a while, being a Nets fan, people always are give you a hard time, especially if you live in New York. Oh, the Nets suck. They haven't been good for a while. Okay, look, thanks. We didn't know. But at least I can say about the Nets, why I don't mind watching this team and I enjoy them so much is they play hard every night. When it, you like a bad team, they don't try hard and they're never in the game. Like, what's the fun in watching? Even though the Nets aren't going to, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year and they weren't amazing, they weren't super talented, they always tried hard every night and they were in so many close games like we talked about before. And that helps with development, it helps with the culture. You know, if you know the guy next to you is going to be diving for loose balls and giving it his all, you're more likely to do that. And players on the outside see that too. They're like, damn, this this Brooklyn team has unity. They play hard. Like all they need is a couple more talented pieces and who knows, they could take the next step. I heard this comparison in the Summer League game one. They mentioned they're almost like, the Nets are almost like a mini Miami Heat. Because yeah. like they might not be the most talented team, but they're going to make you earn that W. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So I, I mean, I'm I'm hyped about the Nets, obviously, as you could tell by my little rant right there. But I just love, like, I love the fact of playing hard. Like, obviously, everybody's played basketball is probably listening or in some capacity or whatever. And you know, you've seen plenty of times where teams are more talented, but they don't win just because the other team is trying a lot harder. There's more unity. There's more team chemistry, and that's something that the Nets are trying to build. Absolutely. But uh, any other free agents that you think could possibly end up with the Nets or any other trades you want to mention before we get out of here, Jack? Uh, nothing that I haven't mentioned already, guys. Uh, but if you have any of them, you know, hit us up on Twitter, at OTG Nick, at the JMNJBT. We want to hear them. Um, at OTG Basketball as well. You know, we'll be looking at them. You know, uh, obviously hit us up on the YouTube comments as well. You know, we've loved uh, seeing all the feedback has been um, really positive. Yeah, I definitely appreciate the YouTube hype we've been kind of getting lately. Just a lot more comments, a lot more interaction. And we love interacting with you guys. It makes it a lot more fun. As well as, like Jack said, you know, hit us up with questions. We love to answer. Want to know what you're thinking, what your thoughts are on certain certain uh, acquisitions and departures and things along those lines. But thank you, as always, for listening. Jack, thank you for hopping on. Check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk, OTG Basketball, and YouTube. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.